That's all right. God is good. We sure love each other, don't we? Praise God. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you again for this day. It's another day, Lord God, upon this beautiful place that you've made. And we pray as we worship you this evening that all things that have been said and done are pleasing and acceptable unto thee and that you will guide us through our worship. Lord God, that you will help us that we might glorify your name in all that we say and do. And as we listen to your word intensively, pray, Lord God, that you will open our hearts to understanding, that you will give us uh, the strength that we need to fight another day in, in your kingdom. These things we pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. We do pray, be thy will. Amen. Job chapter 14. This evening we're talking about the squeaky wheel. Um, the squeaky wheel, an American proverb that uh, we've heard so many times the squeaky wheel gets the grease and it conveys the idea that uh, whatever is the most noticeable or loudest uh, event or problem uh, in one's life most likely this is the one that's going to get the most attention and right now what is the squeaky wheel COVID-19 right not that it's not important, and we're not going to even make light of it in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's very credible and, and incredible. It's overwhelming, though. It's all over the world at this time. The information uh, with the, about the pandemic is, 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 is you know, it's, it's saturated our lives. It's, it's everywhere. And what it seems like sometimes is as if nothing else is existing in the world. I mean, it's almost like when COVID-19 hit, world hunger went away. You know, pain and problems are gone, suffering. There are no more heart attacks. There's no more, there are no more disasters, tornadoes, hurricanes. Nothing else is going on in the world. And we can be sucked into that, uh, that way of thinking, uh, if, you know, the media would like for us to. Again, I'm not making light of COVID-19, but what I am saying is that we still have a responsibility in this world to live, right? And so here's what happens on one side. Um, well, Job 14, verse 1 first, it says, Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. And we know that that is true, that man born of woman is, we're going to have trouble uh, in this life. I want you to turn to First Peter chapter 5, because I want you to think about something that's critical tonight. That while our minds are focused and fixated on COVID-19, maybe, and I think it's true, Satan is trying to flank us. And he's trying to mix us up and draw our attention away from what our real responsibility is in this world that we're living in. And Satan is still, to this day, right now, trying to win souls. Right? He's still trying to win souls. In First Peter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says, Be, on, be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary, the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Satan is still busy doing his work. And what we need to make sure it doesn't happen to us, please turn to John chapter 8, is that we not uh, forget about uh, the responsibility of a Christian to pray, not just for COVID-19, but to remember the sick and the poor, the suffering, and all the other things that are going on in our world today. And remember that Satan is still on the prowl trying to destroy people's souls, even the souls of the members of the body of Christ. And so our prayers are necessary in so many different ways. But Satan would have us believe the only thing that's important right now is COVID-19. 
It's the squeaky wheel. And it's going to get the grease. But brethren, we've got to remember everything else. John 8, 44. The Bible, speaking to the Pharisees, Jesus says, You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Turn to Ecclesiastes, please, chapter 3. And what he would have us believe is that we don't have to have balance in life any longer. It's almost like, you know, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. So right now, we don't have to talk about anything else but COVID-19. Brethren, we are still Christians. And it's still our responsibility, our desire to seek and save that which is lost. We do that by keeping a balanced life, right? God has always asked us to keep a life that is balanced. So Ecclesiastes 3, beginning at verse 1, what the Bible says, There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun from embracing. That's kind of where we are today, isn't it? It's a time to embrace. It's a time to shun. And it hurts too, brother. It hurts. But anyway, a time to shun from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up his laws. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. We have to keep this balance in life because life continues on. And it's going to continue the same. Turn to Ephesians, please, chapter 5. It's critical that we remember there are times. You know, how did God know that? Because he's God. That there'd be a time when we would shun from embracing. Who would have ever thought that? It's in the Bible. Yeah, everything's in the Bible. In principle, if you will. Ephesians chapter 5. Keeping a balanced life. Verse 13. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so we understand before us our evil times, bad times. Evil, the word evil, not necessarily satanic, but just there are bad times in front of us. Turn to Second Timothy, please, chapter 1. But even in these times, these, these difficult times, you have to love what Paul uh, wrote in his letter to Timothy in verse 7. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and discipline. That's what God has given to us. The world, the world is struggling. And they're struggling with what I'm going to call, just for a moment, uh, Gideon's Dilemma. Let's turn back to the book of Judges. Let's look at chapter 6 and remain here for just just for a moment. Israel had uh, rebelled against God. They had not humbled themselves, and so therefore, uh, they were being punished by God. And so, for that reason, Judges 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian for seven years. 
years. Down to verse 7, please. Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of Midian, that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, It was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors and dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. Hmm. The good and the evil began to suffer under the oppressive hands of the Midianites. Israel wondered what to do. They were struggling. Everybody was struggling. In verse 11, the Bible says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Orpah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it for the Midianites. And so understand now there's there's this they're looking for food and, and they're they're gonna go out and there's this humiliation that's going on. Normally when you're 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 beating out uh if you will the wheat uh in the you go up on top of a hill and you wait for the wind and, and you, you separate allow the wind to separate the wheat from the chaff as one is heavier than the other. But Gideon was down in the wine cellar, down in the wine, if you will. Why is he down there? Why was he in the wine press? You know how much more difficult it is to, to beat out wheat down in the wine press? And so here he is trying to hide the food that they get, that they receive from the Midianites who would come along and take that food or that grain away from them. And I'll tell you what happens when we're overwhelmed. When we're overwhelmed and when the overwhelming is before us, everything else seems to, you know, it seems to go on hold. Because listen to verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him down in the winepress and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. But can you imagine Gideon thinking to himself with this, this squeaky wheel syndrome? If I am a mighty man of valor, then why in the world am I down here hiding food from the Midianites in order to save it from them so they cannot, or hide it from them so we can save it and have it for ourselves? If I'm a mighty man, maybe the angel of the Lord is talking about someone else. Right? We'll find out more about this in just a second. But please turn to First Samuel uh, quickly, chapter 16. When Israel was, when God has spoken to Samuel and says, Samuel, uh, there, there's going to be another king who's going to replace Saul. Sometimes when you get that idea, that understanding of the overwhelming in front of you, well, who's going to be the new king and the excitement behind that, that we don't always see as God sees, right? And so in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 6, the Bible says, Then it came about when uh, they had entered that he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his statue because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so there was this overwhelming excitement of Samuel saying, you know, I've gone through these boys and, and we're coming to the end. This has to be the man. And he wasn't 
the man. The overwhelming sometimes makes us lose us, lose our focus in, in our thought. John chapter 4, it makes us lose our direction. Oftentimes we find ourselves overlooking uh, the true deliverance of God. Right? We're looking oftentimes in the wrong direction for the true deliverance from our God. And, and now in John chapter 4 and verse 34, there was another situation out there. Men who have a dilemma before them aren't seeing things as God sees them. Verse 34, the Bible says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and yet then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. That he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. You see, Jesus saw the spiritual, right? Turn to Judges chapter 16, back to Gideon. The spiritual, looking out in the field and saying, hey, everything is ripe, everything is ready. Do you see it? Do we see the opportunity that is in front of us in regards to seeking and saving the lost? In regards to keeping the church together as a united body in Christ, can we see it? Because Gideon couldn't see as the Lord sees, Gideon was faced with an interesting dilemma. He's going to ask this profound question. Right? The angel comes along and says, you valiant warrior. And Gideon, in verse 13, and Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned and given us into the hand of the Midianites. He missed the context. Because the rebellion of Israel, you've been delivered into the hands of the Midianites. And I wonder today if there are some members of the church who are asking, if God is with us, then why is all this happening? I can only imagine that the world, they may be saying, if God is with us, then why is all this happening? And the question may be coming up in the minds of, of humanity, this, this dilemma, this, this understanding that is lacking Is God truly with us? But what the world needs to understand, and even sometimes Christians may forget, that human difficulties or struggle does not alter or change the sovereignty of God. It does not change who God is. It does not change God's promise to be with His children always. God does not change. We must never allow the most noticeable problem, the squeaky wheel, the most overwhelming situation to weaken our understanding of who God is. I want to turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Prayer is the answer to the squeaky wheel. You see, we, we go to God in prayer for everything. We pray to God with, without ceasing. We pray to God as God has asked of each of us. And in Luke 18, Jesus gave us a small, short, very powerful parable. I want to begin at verse 2. And saying, there was in a certain city a judge 
who did not fear God and did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. And for a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming she wear me out. This judge had no reason, no moral reason, no respectful reason to obey the law. She kept coming to him asking for her legal protection. She, in essence, became a squeaky wheel to the judge and to his work. Something in her life was broken. Something was necessary. Something was needful, and it was lawful, and it was right. And she kept going and going and going. And finally, the judge says, this woman is going to wear me out. She was wearing that judge down. And she's trying to gain the favor of the judge. And the judge did not respect God. So though she might pray, she say, Lord, help me. The judge didn't respect God. And the judge did not respect man. And yet even though you may have a situation in your life that, that there's a man or a woman or someone or something that doesn't have a respect for God or for man or humanity, God's still going to have his way. God will still have his way. So God says in this parable, this woman, she kept going to this judge over and over and over and over again. And she wore that judge down and got what she felt was due based on the law. Here's what's interesting. Jesus told us this parable about prayer. And when you go to Isaiah chapter 40, we'll come right back to the parable in just a moment. In Isaiah 40, we must remember something about God. That God wants us to become, in essence, a squeaky wheel. God wants us to keep coming to him over and over again about the prayer and the things that's most necessary and needful in our desires in life. But here's the difference. You can't wear God down. And we can't wear God out. In Isaiah chapter 40, in verse 28, Do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, The creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And then listen to Proverbs chapter 15, and the verse is 8. Regarding prayer, regarding prayer, what does God want us to know about prayer? He's using a parable, and in the parable he says, this woman continually came to the judge over and over and over and over again to get what she requested or what she felt was necessary. And in Proverbs 15 and verse 8, the Bible says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But here's the contrast. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. And what did God tell us to do in regards to prayer? First Thessalonians five sixteen and 17, the Bible says to rejoice always. And then it says, pray without ceasing. So turn back then, if you will, to Luke chapter 18. 
And let's talk more in closing about this squeaky wheel. The context. Verse 1. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. God says, I want you to keep on praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And and when you're tired of praying, just pray and pray. And it will be God's delight. And he goes on to tell the parable in verses 2 through verse 5 about this woman going and and wearing this judge out, if you will. Down in verse 6. Actually, I want to go to verse 5. Verse 5, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest continually coming she wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, the Son of Man comes. Will he find faith on the earth? And what a question for us tonight. Tonight is, you know, we're looking around this pandemic and it's in our ears and it's on our televisions, on our radio, wherever you are. Everybody's talking about it and talking about it. Is God still in control? Is, is God still the God of the universe? And if God is with us, then why? We hear this so often. That we, this, this negativity is coming in our way. But I'll tell you something. That regardless of what we're going through in life, prayer is the great equalizer, right? It's the great equalizer for all things. Christians are to continue in prayer. Prayer keeps a Christian's heart balanced, right? The world is still going on. The sun is still rising and setting. Other things are going on as it used to go on. There is a crisis that we are in, but God is still the same. For God is always the same today, yesterday, yea, forever. Don't give up your hope on God. Don't allow the squeaky wheel to remove us from our obligation to seek and save that which is lost. Don't allow the squeaky wheel to make us forget about everything else that's going on in the world today. Don't allow the squeaky wheel to remove you from your study time and your prayer time and your relationship time with God and each other. Don't allow the squeaky wheel to cause us to abandon the things that we ought to do, the things that we know that are right and true and honorable and pleasing and acceptable to God. Tonight I wanted to encourage you, reminding you that yes, there is a squeaky wheel out there amongst us and in front of us, but God is still the same, and he will always be the same, and God is with us. Praise God. Thank you for the opportunity to bring a message of truth, and now I'm going to return the favor to my brother, because I love him too. God bless you.